This podcast is brought to you with limited interruption by Rudy Luther Toyota. Whether looking for an exciting brand new Toyota, a certified pre-owned vehicle, or getting quality routine maintenance and service for your vehicle, Rudy Luther Toyota is the place to go. Rudy Luther Toyota, the southeast corner of 394 and 169 in Golden Valley. Broadcasting live on AM 950, the Progressive Voice of Minnesota, as well in the evening on WCPT 820, Chicago's Progressive Talk. It is the Matt McNeil Show for your Monday pre-holiday extravaganza. Matt, Brett here today. Howdy, Brett. How are you? All right. How about you? All right. Have you have you been able to weather the holidays so far? Has it been a good experience for you? Have you been able to avow, not not get into fisticuffs or throw hands with an elderly woman at a at a uh, Trader Joe's. Actually, what I just came back from and I won. So there you go. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> it's you know, I don't know if there's too much bragging that needs to be doing when yeah. we're knocking down 80 year old women. Uh, but sure, okay, fine, victory. Uh, <laughs> no, to me, it's this is just not felt at all like the holidays here up in Minnesota and Chicago. I'm not sure if your weather's been any different, but this has felt more like October than December. Ah, for sure. Uh, I mean, it, it is it is amazing to me um, how snow free we are up here now. And I know this is Chicago folks. Uh, you know, if you n- don't know anyone from Minneapolis, St. Paul, we're idiots and we love snow. So, you know, so we we we're weird like that. I know. <laughs> hey. To all my Minnesota brethren, nah, it's it's just it, you have to. It's nice to have that little coating at least. Good. Did you see? I, I saw Sven's weather forecast might have some rain that day. Great. Did you get out? Have you done anything fun holidays at all this weekend? Uh, not really. No, 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 not this holiday stuff. I went over to. I, you know, we have one of those uh, glow festivals here in the cities, and so it's one of those places you go. And Chicago's got these two where they got tons of Christmas lights and stuff like that. That was fun. That was very nice. Got out and enjoyed that. I, I also, I went hiking around just looking for the Christmas lights on one of the lakes and enjoyed that. So hope you're getting out. I hope you're getting some holiday uh, joy out there. I will say this. I, I think a lot of people have t- are taking this week off because definitely the roads seem to be quite a bit uh, less heavy. So, might, you know, be careful out there. A lot of people doing some traveling, heading on out and doing whatever they're going to do. Have a wonderful holiday. So a little little uh, heads up for you just to give you some, you know, behind the scenes stuff. Uh, we're here live till Thursday. Friday, we begin the brand new to you shows. And uh, as a matter of fact, on Friday, it's a humdinger. It's Paul Nyland from Lifeline Ukraine live. We recorded him last week live in Ukraine and giving us a front row perspective of what the war is like in Kiev and yeah, it's we've talked to him a few times. It's it really is gripping stuff hearing from what's going on on the ground in Ukraine. Uh, that's going to start us off Friday. We do these shows, brand new to you shows, and most of the shows over the next two plus weeks are going to be brand new to you shows, brand new shows, brand new interviews. We started doing this a few years back, and uh, it is a while. It, it's wildly popular, so we're going to keep doing this. So Chicago, you'll be in brand new stuff. Pretty much Friday night, uh, next Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then uh, on uh, around the, uh, the New Year's as well, we'll have a few shows too. So looking forward to that. We are back live, by the way, for a year-end review show on the 29th. So don't miss that because it's going to be so much fun. 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. Um, are you a Marvel movie person at all? Do you do any of the Marvel movies? 
not as much as I used to in the 2010s, but I still keep up with some of the major franchises that started then. You know, I, I it really didn't. Don't get me wrong. I, I loved, uh, you know, um, you know the the last two, the and the End Game and and stuff. That was quite good. Uh, as far as the Marvel movies go. And I think some of the ones they've released since then have been also very entertaining. Uh, but I think it kind of, you know, Thor Ragnarok really is kind of hard to beat for a comic book movie. I mean, that is as good as it got. And it's kind of been going steadily downhill. And they've kind of, there is this question. I mean, Disney, which owns Marvel, obviously started to do a lot of TV shows around it because they had a cash cow. I mean, they had an absolute cash cow. And so they they did all these series, and the series have gone pretty well. I mean, most of them have been pretty good. Secret Invasion was, uh, okay, I don't know what you guys were thinking with that. <laughs> sure. Uh, you know, welcome to the DC universe, I guess. I, I don't know. I mean, it was uh, not sure what you guys were thinking with that one. Anyway, uh, overall, mostly good. I mean, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania was Okay. Last year, but uh, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy Three was entertaining. I have not seen the Marvels. I've had friends who have seen it. I said it's 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 a very enter- it's it's pretty good. Um, uh, Brie Larson revising her her character there. A lot of people are looking forward to the Deadpool movie, Deadpool Three, coming out with Hugh Jackman returning as Wolverine. Which, if you've watched the first two, are two of the more perfect comedy movies ever made. Very violent, FYI. So, you know, lock, lock the kids to bed at night and then watch them. But hilarious. I mean, just hilarious. So they do those well. They're in a big, big problem right now. The reason I'm bringing this up is there has been a, a Manhattan jury has found Jonathan Majors guilty on Monday of two misdemeanor counts of harassment and assault, but acquitted him on two other counts. In the domestic assault trial, the Marvel actor was found not guilty on one count of intentional assault in the third degree and aggravated harassment in the second degree against his ex-girlfriend Grace Jabardi. Jabari, Majors wearing a dark gray suit and seated in the attorney's currently and current girlfriend Megan Good did not display a reaction when the verdict was read. Um, Judge Michael, uh, let's see here, Michael Gaffey was set a sentencing date for February 6th. Majors faces up to a year in jail, but he could also be sentenced to probation. The two-week-long trial resumed in Lower Manhattan courtroom as the six-person jury requested to hear for the definition of harassment in the second degree, which is when the person is guilty of intent to harass, annoy, or alarm. Um, so you know, it, it's it's not good for him. Most people would you, 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 one of two things. Um, I would think that you might recognize him from. He was in the Rocky movie. He was just in the Rocky movie, and that was actually quite entertaining. Uh, the latest Rocky movie, uh, Creed, I should say. And it's not, it's, just, it's of the movie franchise Creed, the last Creed movie. Just I just dated myself, didn't I? I just met old man Matt. I remember the days when radios had entertainment on them. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> well, at least in your defense, Rocky's a pretty big franchise. Yeah, it is. It, yeah, yeah, I think so you, I think I think you get, get it. Although it's uh, it's no longer it's no longer uh, uh, you know uh, Sylvester Stallone in there, but uh, very very popular. And, and and he was he he was in that and he played pretty well. If you've not paid attention to the Marvel movie franchise, the reason why I brought this up is because he has been tagged as the next big bad villain for Marvel which is Kang the Conqueror, which is a great character. 
insanely complex. It's not an easy one to bring to the screen. I, I mean, I could think of about four or five other ones, which would be a lot easier. Uh, you know, Dr. Doom would be number one on that hit parade. But they decided to go with with Kang. And I'm not. that's nothing against Kang and this. And they cast him in, in this role. And he has shown up so far in, I mentioned Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. He was, he was in that movie. Um, you also have him in the Loki franchises um, that uh, were, if, or, if, if the TV show. That, if you've not seen that, I mean, it's on Disney. It's quite entertaining. Uh, Tom, uh, Tom Hiddleston revising his character of Loki in, in both seasons of that. And, of course, Kang plays a huge role in that series. I don't want to give away too much. But this was the guy. I mean, this is this is they are in the process of, you know, putting him in as the next big bad guy. You got two choices now, Marvel. And let's face it. I mean, it's clearly not clicking on the cylinders. It used to be where, you know, on an opening weekend, you are pulling one hundred and fifty, two hundred thousand dollars even for a fringe character. I mean, I should mention Captain Marvel, which is which is. A lot of people are, are, are cheering on the demise because they're pathetic losers, and I guess this is the most important thing in their life, which, come on, man, dude, you're, you need to look in the mirror and reevaluate some things. But uh, the first Captain Marvel movie is actually the highest grossing women, a female superhero movie of all time. It actually drew more than Wonder Woman did, which is remarkable considering this is a relatively fringe character when they introduced her into the movies that was not really on anyone's you know radar per se in case you missed it the marvels opened up in november and it was the lowest grossing opening weekend for a marvel movie ever i think it was only 52 million dollars now i think part of that is you're just not going to re-embrace hollywood is easy with the franchise. Don't get me wrong. Obviously, the Barbie movie and Oppenheimer did very well early this year. Gardens of the Galaxy did very well this year, early as well. But I, I think that it's it's kind of these days, the days without, well, Chris Evans and Robert Downey Jr., let's just be honest. I mean, without the, the, the guy that played Captain America, the guy that played Iron Man, and the kind of the original, I mean, who's left in the original Avengers team? You got Hulk, who's... Okay, uh, Thor, whose last movie was, you know, he, they need to tone down the the the, the goofiness, and they kind of screwed that up a little bit, especially after all the goodwill. Love and Thunder was that one, <coughs> especially after all the goodwill that they had created with Ragnarok. Um, you know, and then I think the only other character that's still around from the original is Hawkeye, who they had a, an exceptional, and it's a holiday-based show. There's an exceptional TV show on Disney about Hawkeye, which is quite good. It's from last year. I highly recommend it. It's actually very entertaining. But his whole shtick now is I'm too old to do this anymore. You know, he doesn't have superpowers. He's just a guy with a bow and arrow. Yeah, okay. And so what do you do with him? So, you know, there is a lot of people that are looking at this and saying, okay, you know, ha, 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 Marvel, you can't do this again. Doctor Strange did pretty well last year, Multiverse of Madness. That was a pretty big movie. I, You know, I, I don't know where they're going to go, but I can tell you right now, I have a feeling that at Marvel right now today, after this verdict happened, 
that they walked in. They they must have had two game plans. One is because Jonathan Majors is not going to be Disney's not going to have Jonathan Majors as Kang the Conqueror. Not anymore. I mean, that's over. So, you know, you, you either have to recast him and run with the new Kang and do that, or else you completely scrap everything and start over from scratch, which I don't know if you really want to do because part of the problem that you have is that you'll, you, it's going to be very difficult in my mind for Marvel to be able to capture fire in a bottle again. I mean, I remember when they started this and my kid was young and he was reading comic books and I said, wait a second, you're going to launch three separate franchises, an Iron Man franchise, a Thor franchise, and a Captain America franchise, and then you're going to launch an Avengers franchise? Nothing like this had in my lifetime had ever been attempted. And it succeeded because they had good movies and they were good. You know, people like Chris Evans as Captain America, people like Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man, and without them in the movie or, um, you know, Tom Holland as Spider-Man, I mean, if it's a Spider-Man movie, that does pretty well, but... You know, it's not quite sure of how that's going to play out. But I can tell you right now, Jonathan Majors being found guilty, well, that a lot of things are going to be changing. But, you know, where, the, where they go remains to be seen. It is the Matt McNeil Show. Let's take a break. Come on back. I go straight through the stars on the flying thing. Yeah, man. It's the Matt McNeil Show on your Monday. Good to be with you today. 952-946-6205. I want to uh, address a story that came on out this weekend. Now, um, for all those people out there, for you know, a reminder for the people of Minneapolis-St. Paul, but as well for everyone in Chicago, I'm a veteran of the U.S. Army. That's right. I was in the U.S. Army from 1988 to 1992. Uh, I was at that point, I think they've changed the, they, I'm not mistaken, they've changed the name thing um, of the, what your jobs were. I was a 36, Char, or excuse me, a 31 Charlie back then. I became a 46 Romeo. 31 Charlie was what's called a rat rig operator. It was a radio and teletype rig antiquated technology that no longer even exists within the military. Uh, and it really was antiquated even when I was in there. Um, but then I became what was a, a radio broadcaster. I worked at Armed Forces Radio Network in Nuremberg, Germany. And I broadcast the hits. <laughs> um, Guten Abend, Deutschland. Uh, anyway, uh, I, I did that. And, and, and I, I actually am very proud of my military service. Um, I, I'm, and I salute to all people who served. Thank you very much to the family members who, of, of those who served as well. I appreciate your sacrifice because that is a sacrifice on all levels. And by the way, it is the holiday season. Think about that. There's a lot of people whose loved ones are not going to be home with them this year. Make sure you reach out and say thank you very much and see what they need. By all means, that's how you, that's how you support the troops, folks. That's how you do it. Uh, we uh, vow to fight all enemies, domestic and foreign, uh, when we were in the military because you know what? I don't have really patience for treason. Uh, I really don't. And um, yeah, I'm I'm prefacing this next story with this because uh, I want to make sure I I make a plea to to Trump supporters in just a second here. But uh, a video has circulated online Saturday. I'm going to read two stories about this same issue here. A video has circulated online Saturday showing supporters of former President Trump cheering on the idea of him acting like a dictator on day one if he's reelected next year. Trump has come under fire in recent days after comments he made during a town hall event 
hosted by Fox News and you know the human catchers met Sean Hannity. During the event, Hannity pressed Trump to pledge that he would never abuse his power. They were he was trying desperately to set him up for cover, and Trump was like, "No, I'm too stupid." Uh, he was he was pressing Trump to pledge that he would never abuse his power as retribution against anyone, as he'd been suggested in recent reports. In response, Trump suggested he would only behave in such a way on the first day that uh, of his uh, hypothetical sub- uh, second term, except every day one, Trump said, told Hannity. No, no, no. Other than day one, we're closing the border. We're drilling, drill, drill, drill. After that, I'm not a dictator. So he's basically saying on his first day, he's going to be a dictator. He's saying it. He is saying this. I will be a dictator. And boy, oh boy, one thing I have always learned from dictators is they sure are quick to give up power after one day. Oh, I think, I don't think there's any question at all that he will say, wait a second, maybe I'll be a day two dictator too. Speaking of taters. Um, the comment comes in the wake of reporting of various news outlets, including the Times, claiming the former president and his allies are planning broad applications of his presidential power should Trump win the 2024 election, including mass deportations, stalking federal agencies with loyalists, using force to quash protests against him. These reports, along with the town hall comments, have viewed, renewed concerns about Trump's potentially authoritarian aspirations and the dangers of reelecting him. Uh, let's not forget he's vowed to unleash the military on the populace of the United States. But I'm sure all the people that are okay with that think that where well, he's not going to be, you're not going to be putting the tanks in our town. <laughs> oh yes. One group not seemingly put off by the comments of the former president's pre-existing supporters on Saturday, Patriot Takes account on Twitter, the plat, uh, well, it isn't on Twitter, uh, shared a clip from outside a Trump rally in New Hampshire in which the host asked several gathered supporters, "How many people here support Day One Dictator?" In response, the crowd began here cheering and some raising their hands in support. Second story, many of Donald Trump's supporters appear near eager to support him, even if he's a dictator on day one. An example of this is a video that was put out Saturday from, from Live of America, a conservative streaming network prior to Trump rally in Durham, New Hampshire. The video published social media by Patriot Takes shows a right-wing host asking the crowd if they support Trump's ambitions to be a dictator with the qualifications that he'd only do it for one day. The video opens with Trump fan talking about how if Trump wins another term, it's game over. Day one dictator, the host of the mic shouts back. Day one dictator, the supporter yells in response, adding the classic refrain, drill, baby, drill. The host then goes on to the rest of the crowd, the following. How many people here now, normally I don't know you probably wouldn't be wouldn't America, but considering what they've done to this man, how many people here support the day one dictator? The crowd then erupts. I'll get to what he said at that rally in a second because he's a he's a horrible human being that being said if you are one of these people that hears this that hears rounding people up military on its own citizens you know i'm okay with a dictatorship i want you to go outside and do me a favor take take down your flag because you're not an american you're not no, you're not. No, 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 no. This is this is not a game clown car. You're not an American. You're not. You can't claim to be a proud American at this point because a proud American would not be cheering on a dictator as you were because the most important thing for you is the the, the these perceived enemies that you have in your mind 
need to be punished. Whether they've done anything wrong or not, it's very reminiscent of, oh, I don't know, about mid-century last year, last, last century, mid-last century, but it's where we're at. And you guys like to sit there and act like the founding fathers, shut up. The founding fathers were flawed as all the days long. They were. But the idea they had when they built the democracy that is the United States is they did not want a monarchy, nor did they want a dictatorship. They did not. It takes an especially kind of inept moron to look at, you know, separation of church and state and say what they really wanted was a Christian nation. I mean, it really takes an amazingly stupid person to think that the founding fathers wanted a dictator, a monarchy, or any one person uberalis. But that's here where we are. And so you sit there and you have made the decision, you have made the choice that the most important thing is Trump and that you will can democracy You will can democracy because it is a bizarro fan fiction fetish of yours to torment and and, and annihilate your perceived enemies on the left. So I want you to go outside. I want you to take down that American flag, you traitorous jackasses. If you support Trump at this point, you sure as not can't be claiming you're a proud American. You just can't. You just can't. You cannot sit there and claim you're a proud American. Take, as a veteran of the U.S. military, U.S. Army, take your damn flag down. Because you're not a proud American at this point. You're a traitor to the country if you basically want to hand over democracy to a dictator. And shame on you. Shame on you all. Because you know your lives are not that bad. But you can't stop following the Pied Piper, the man with the flute who keeps driving the snakes. Nope. Take down your American flag because you have forfeited your ability to claim you're a proud American if at this point, after all of his threats of dictatorship, you still claim that you love Trump. But don't worry. I'm sure most of you actually probably have a Confederate flag you can probably put up at some point. Traitors. Uh, We'll take a break. Come back. It's the Matt McNeil Show. It's that time of year again. Kool-Aid man, you ready for Christmas? Oh, yeah. It is the Matt McNeil Show on WCPT 820, Chicago's Progressive Talk and AM 950, the Progressive Voice of Minnesota. How dare you pot down, little John? Pot that back up. That is actually the Kool-Aid man in there. All right, all right, all right. Getting you in your holiday spirit the only way I know how with Little John and the Kool-Aid man, it is the Matt McNeil Show. 952-946-6205-952. That is an outstanding Christmas song, man. Yeah, you typically don't hear that on uh, most radio stations that play Christmas music. <laughs> Why not? Why I'm not? with you. You're I don't looking disagree. at the bias of America right here. Happy holidays, everybody. Uh, they, as, as the Kool-Aid men would say, oh, yeah. 952-946-6205. It is an outstanding song. And I have to find humor, humor here because I'm about to go into what was the cesspool of New Hampshire. And yeah, all right. Good feeling gone. 
At a campaign rally in New Hampshire on Saturday, former president praised authoritarians like Russian President Vladimir Putin and Hungarian Prime Minister Viktor Orban and said immigrants were poisoning the blood of this country, uh, continuing his pattern of espousing autocratic and white nationalist politics. Framing immigrants as tainting the blood of the nation follows the 2024 Republican presidential primary frontrunner describing his political enemies as vermin and saying he would be a dictator on day one of his next term at separate events earlier this month. The blood and vermin comments have been compared to dehumanizing and Nazi propaganda and Adolf Hitler's obsession with blood purity by historians, activists, and Democrats, including the campaign of President Joe Biden. Uh, by the way, this is not... It's 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 spot on. It's it's he's stealing the lines of Hitler. They're poisoning the blood of our country, Trump said about halfway through his speech in Durham, North New Hampshire, to applause. Not just in South America, not just three or four countries that we think about, but all over the world. They're coming into our country from Africa, from Asia, all over the world. They're pouring into our country. Notice he didn't say Europe. Uh, they're pouring into our country. Nobody's even looking at them. After the speech, Trump doubled down in his all-caps post on social media, writing, illegal immigration is poisoning the country, blood of our country without borders and fair elections. You don't have a country. Um, we have borders. We've had fair elections. You are an autocrat. He's telling us exactly what he's going to be. <laughs> he's telling us exactly what he's going to be. And the media, and by the way, can I just point out for a quick second, in the news media of this town and this country who basically want to sit out there and act as like, well, you know, it's just a, it's a political point of view. No. Edward R. Murrow would not tolerate this. Walter Cronkite would have not tolerated this. Tom Brokaw would not tolerate this. But you guys, because you don't want to lose out on some of that sweet campaign money when election season starts, you, you know, we'll have to agree to disagree. Dude, he's Going full dictator, full Hitler here. Stop. Stop. You have a public responsibility to remind people, hey, you know who that sounds exactly like? Adolf. That's who it sounds like. And you guys aren't doing that because God forbid your massive media corporate empires don't get every damn dollar you can from the campaign. Shame on you. Shame on you. He's greed. Your greed is allowing him to basically put forward a Nazi 2.0 agenda here. God. Biden's campaign was quick to denounce the uh, the remarks drawing a direct line between Trump's language and Hitler's genocidal rhetoric. This is from uh, Joe Biden. Tonight, Donald Trump uh, channeled his role model as he parroted Adolf Hitler, praised Kim Jong-un, quoted Vladimir Putin while running for president on a promise to rule as a dictator and threaten American democracy. Trump is not shying away from his plan to lock up millions of people into detention camps and continue to lie about the time when Joe Biden obliterated him by over 7 million votes three years ago. He is betting he can win his election by scaring and dividing this country. He's wrong. Does mention here, Hitler focused frequently on racist ideas about peoples he perceived as inferior, tainting the blood of the idolized Aryan race. In his anti-Semitic manifesto, Mein Kampf, he wrote, all great cultures of the past perished only because the originally creative race died off through blood poisoning. Now, as he says this, I want to remind you of something about Donald Trump, is that his mother was an immigrant, so he was a child of an immigrant, and all of his kids, except for one, have at least 
one are are, are basically children of immigrants. Um, uh, Tiffany, uh, the the fifth, the fourth one, is apparently the only one that was that was uh, both parents were American citizens. Every other child was born to an immigrant. Every other child, and he is saying this. But you mind this? Those aren't the immigrants he's talking about. Much like Hitler was very determined to mention specific people. I say this, I don't say this lightly because I have been one of the people that even during Trump's first term, you don't compare someone to Hitler because you disagree with them because it's two reasons. One, generally in the in most cases, you're over-exaggerating your outrage to the nth degree. You really are. The second thing is you're basically taking Hitler, who is the one of the worst people that ever lived, and bringing him down to a level of comparison, which you shouldn't do. Hitler was Hitler, and that's it. But what do you do when the guy is reading straight from Hitler's playbook? This is this is like a beer hall pushed rally. This is this is this is you know you know, you have him verbatim on copyright infringement, Adolf. Dear Lord. He is not hiding it. He is saying exactly what he's going to do. It's time for Nazi 2.0. And and by the way, shame on a lot of the people who are elderly, who support him, who grew up in the post-World War II where Nazis were bad guys. And now all of a sudden, like, wait a second here. Maybe those guys had a point. We were on the wrong side. Dear Lord. Dear Lord. His own children are children of immigrants outside of one. I think that was uh, I think it was Marla Maples was the mother of Tiffany. And so Trump and Marla, that's the only one. Every other child he has, the mom was an immigrant. And he's saying this. I want you to stop thinking. I, I remember and I've talked about this before. On 2016, after he was elected, and I sat there and I stared at the ceiling as I, I've said it's like, what did we just do? Because this was, you know, I mean, between screams of Republicans going liberal tears and and Bernie Sanders fans saying we sent a message. I was like, you are boy. You know, all you idiots, idiots, idiots who said Hillary Clinton is just as bad as Donald Trump. What are you freaking talking about? What are you freaking talking about? There's a legitimate chance the man took the CIA's most secret files on Russia and gave it to the Russians. Because one of the things someone pointed out to me is in the days after Trump left office, when that file disappeared, all of a sudden a bunch of CIA operatives who had been deeply into the spy gathering game either died and disappeared or had to be evacuated. Because they've been outed. It's pretty clear what happened here. He's rooting against his own country. But he's never been there for America. He's never been there for America. He could care less about America. This is only about himself. And they have successfully, the right-wing media has successfully basically created a world where America doesn't matter anymore. 
It's all about Trump. It's terrifying. It's terrifying. And right now, in major swaths of this country, there are people going, I love him. I love him. I'm voting for him again. People who are so stupid to think that Donald Trump, a man who bragged about a golden toilet, wants to ever be anywhere near them. He calls you stupid idiots all the time, and you're like, yeah, say it again, sir. Love you. This on top of this gem. This gem. Donald Trump and Donald Trump Jr., half as stupid. That's because he has half the brain. Have come to the defense of a one-time social media influencer who has been convicted of election interference and has a well-known history of pushing deeply racist, anti-Semitic, and anti-Muslim and homophobic content online. In a video posted by his campaign in December, former President Trump blasted Biden and his henchmen for allegedly trampling on the First Amendment rights of Douglas McKay, a longtime supporter of the former president who ran an anonymous, notorious Twitter account in 2016. Trump accused Biden of seeking to jail Mackey for sharing a joking meme that Hillary Clinton several years ago, nobody ever heard of anything like that. While the former president criticized the illegal action taken against Mackey, Trump Jr. lauded the content featured on Mackey's Twitter feed. He praised Mackey on his December 7th podcast as maybe my favorite Twitter account of all time and said the Biden administration wanted to former influencer in prison. Mackey, however, was under federal investigation for conspiracy to suppress votes in the 2016 presidential election during Trump's administration. Um, the Mackey was charged seven days after Biden took office and convicted early this year. He was sentenced to seven months in prison, but is currently out pending an appeal of the case. Prosecutors say Mackey, 34, targeted black voters on Twitter with a tweet meant to look like a campaign advertisement that falsely claimed they could vote for Clinton through text messages during the 2016 election. Which, by the way, you can't do that. You can't tell people false information on how to vote. Mackey's Twitter account at the time featured a slew of hateful content as he was ranked as the 107th on the list of election influencers on the run-up to the 2016 election, according to an analysis conducted by the MIT Media Lab. In a statement to CNN, an attorney for Mackey said the tweets didn't reflect his client's current views and that Mackey now regrets his tone and the substance of his posts. Oh, do you now? Oh, now that you're in, in a courtroom. I mean, I guess Rudy Giuliani could learn a lesson from this guy. <laughs> No, they're all guilty. They all did it. Wait, wait, why are you dragging me to a car? <laughs> oh, Giuliani, uh, yeah, your irrelevance cannot come fast enough. This, at least he, he's learned, you know, he learned that you can't go out there and say, I double down on it. But the reality is, is he's the only reason he's showing any, at all, any level of admonishment, self-admonishment is because he basically knows he's in trouble. However, he does not regret using his anonymous account to promote conservative political ideas and then candidate Donald Trump, says Attorney James Lawrence in the statement. Doug is a, a grateful that former Trump, President Trump and son and thousands across the political spectrum can see through, no, not really across, you know, it's pretty much on the right side, <laughs> can see through these smears and distractions, recognize the case is about protecting the First Amendment rights of all Americans, which you did anonymously. You know, and and told people something that you can't tell them. You cannot legally tell people false information about voting, and especially make it look like it came from a campaign. On Twitter, Mackey had regularly shared 
uh, on Twitter, Mackie uh, uh, had regularly shared racist caricatures of people of color, amplified demeaning stereotypes, and belittled entire groups with racial slurs. He used the N-word in multiple to- posts, and he described black people as feral. Anti-Semitism was another popular theme for him, and he routinely shared memes reminiscent of Nazi propaganda. One post, for example, included a comment about decorating a cake with a Jewish slur, a reference to putting Jews in gas chambers and praised Hitler. In another post, he hinted at retribution for Jewish Americans if Trump won presidency in 2016. The Jews fear that Donald Trump is Hitler because they know that they've done great evil to America. They feel justice will be done, he wrote December of 2015. CNN interviewed Mackey's tweets, uh, reviewed Mackey's tweets uh, in the Internet Web Archive Wayback Machine and Archive Today, but is sharing only a small subset of them due to their nature. Mackey used the pseudonym Ricky Vaughn on Twitter, but his identity was publicly exposed in a 2018 Huffington Post article. His vitriolic post ended after that. Funny, without an anonymity, he all of a sudden he didn't want to have his freedom of speech defended. During his trial, Mackey testified that he apologized to his family over the tweets and that he had started therapy, which he says has changed his life. It was bad taste, said Mackey on a social media account. It was wrong. It was offensive. Yeah, I wouldn't buy anything this guy is saying. And I want to make sure we understand something. He said all these things. Don Jr., who's supposedly the smarter of the two, he basically said, it's my favorite, my favorite Twitter account. Unbelievable. He's not hiding who he is. Take a break. Come on back. It is the Matt McNeil Show. Looks like a cold, cold winter. It's the Matt McNeil Show on your Monday. Good to be with you today. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. Funny story. Remember how we were talking about how, uh, yeah, he uh, Mackey says, oh, oh, it's wrong. It was offensive. I shouldn't have done this when he was in court. But funny, though contrite in court, Mackey struck a different tone with media outlets uh, that uh, when he was uh, being interviewed about these things. Um oscillating between defiant and unapologetic over his case while asking for financial support for his appeal. A defense fund sent up in his appeal and promoted by Mackey prominently displays the avatar of his old Ricky Vaughn account. In an interview with Tucker Carlson last month, Mackey described the content of his Twitter account as pro-Trump, memes, jokes, all kinds of links, and that kind of thing, leaving out the bigoted, racist, homophobic, anti-Islamic, anti-Semitic element of who he is. Um... You see, and this is part of the problem we have in this country right now. We have a media that has been basically, and especially a portion of this country, basically 30, 35% of this country, who the only media they get is right-wing media. They don't, they don't, in some of their cable systems don't even have CNN or uh, MSNBC. They have Fox News and OAN, and they have uh, Newsmax, and they have all these things. And they have an entire system where reality can be defied. And the, the problem that we have is that when you are these people that are watching this, this becomes the reality. People don't care about differing point of views. They just want narrative validation nowadays. That's all they want. And so when he's in court, I'm really, really, really sorry. I'm a better person. When he's out, that, that 20 minutes later, when he's on Tucker Carlson, I think the funniest jokes about the Jews. Yeah. 
and there's no consequences. Why? Because once again, the media in this country is only concerned about making sure Trump spends his election money with them. Well, we can't really report this is what it is. It's a travesty, man. And if we in this country stumbles down this hole into full dictatorship, which we will if Trump wins, there's going to be a lot of media outlets who are suddenly afterwards screaming, well, how could this happen? Why did the American people allow this to happen? Because you didn't report the truth, you jackasses. You didn't report the truth. You hit it because it was more important to your bottom line that you never upset Trump until all of a sudden he comes in and say, by the way, newspaper, we're shutting you down because you just, you you put a jumble in there that we felt was anti-conservative. So you're going to be shut down now. Goodbye. How come this has happened to us? Because it was more important for you to have advertising dollars than warn the American people, holy crap, he wants to be a dictator. And that's not my opinion. That's what he's saying. That's the crazy part. I already know so many people will look like, ah, Matt, that's that liberal Matt McNeil. No, I'm just quoting him. That's all I'm doing. I'm quoting him. Yeah, liberal, actually factually holding him accountable. Oh, just liberals. (laughs) Yeah, scary times, dude. Scary freaking times. Uh, Speaking of which, uh, do you realize there are 20 states where the minimum wage, (laughs) 20 states where the minimum wage is still $7.25? Per hour, which for a forty-hour-a-week job, that's a that's a, a tremendous fifteen thousand dollars a year. I'm dead serious. Time for Matt's math corner. All right, let's just do this here. Did I pull the calculator? All right, seven point five times forty hours a week equals a three hundred dollars every week there times fifty-two. Times fifty-two, fifteen thousand six hundred dollars. $15,600. That's the minimum wage in 20 states. Not all Republican states, the vast majority are Republican states, but not all of them. Pennsylvania is for some reason in there, as well as New Hampshire, which I guess is more a toss-up state. But all the, the usual suspects are on this list. You got North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, Mississippi, Alabama, Tennessee, Kentucky, Indiana, Louisiana, Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas, Utah, Wyoming, Idaho, North Dakota. Come on, Nodak. How about Iowa and Wisconsin? Both of them, 725. And I know what they'll say is, but Matt, Matt, nobody pays that. What are you talking about? That's the law. They can pay that if they can get away with it. Why do you think that when Illinois or Minnesota, which have a much higher minimum wage, pass these minimum wage laws. Why do you think the people in Wisconsin and Iowa were like, they were on the border towns, like over in the Quad Cities or in Beloit? Uh, you know, they're, so they're, you guys don't there. It's unfair. They need to stop paying people so much because I can't find workers up here. Like like Illinois or Minnesota is like, oh, dear gosh, Wisconsin's upset because we're paying our people a livable wage. Well, we need to stop that. <laughs> Come on. You got people getting paid this kind of minuscule money. And not the guys like, well, if it's that bad, they'll find a better job. Well, unless the business owners of a small town 
are colluding with each other, which I've lived in small town America and that happens a lot. I remember I was in Iowa and there was a, a business there that wanted to pay people uh, twice the minimum wage and they basically shut that down. They said, we will run you out of town if you do this because we're not paying this kind of money to our employees, so you can't do it to yours. That's kind of, that's what happens. Oh my God. That, 20 states, 20 states, 725 an hour. The last time I checked it, the, the, the average American's family, the average family's entire Christmas budget, the entire Christmas budget is basically, you know, it comes down to like it's $70. Just keep that in mind. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's very hard to see how bad Republicans treat their own citizens and yet see those same citizens keep lining up to vote for Republicans for only one reason is that Republicans have, well, it'd be worse under the Democrats. How? How could it possibly be worse for you? $7.25 a dollar. By the way, if you go to look at these Democrat liberal states, you know, California is what, uh, $16 an hour. Washington, $16.28. Illinois, a very respectable $14. You know, you get Vermont at $3.67. Connecticut at $15.69. Even Maine's at $14.15. Yeah, you can see what it is. Healthcare, wages, quality of life. They're all better in Democratic states, but you keep being drug around like a mule. That's it for Hour 1. Chicago, see you tomorrow. Uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul, Hour 2 up next. Hour number two of the show, AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Howdy. Matt Brett here. So I'm about to give everybody Matt's helpful hint. All right. So I went to the Glow Festival over at Saints game, the Saints field there, which was quite nice. And as a matter of fact, it was interesting. We had a debate about whether it was better when they had it at the fairgrounds versus the Saints stadium. I will say one thing about where it's at. It's freaking chaos on the east side of downtown St. Paul. I cannot remember ever. Maybe, okay, maybe the Republican convention of 2008 where traffic around that area was such a mess. And so I'm, we're, we're heading over. Of course, we live in, in, in H-Town on the west side. And I'm driving over. We get to the cathedral and all of a sudden there's a line of cars at the cathedral. On, in, on 94. Go around. I'm thinking to myself, this can't, I mean, there must be a, a the Wild Play? No, the Wild Play earlier today. Is there a concert over at the X? This can't all be going over to Glow, can it? <laughs> oh, silly goose. Of course it was, but here's the deal. You want to avoid all that? It's Matt's helpful hint. Look up on a map for Positively 4th Street. Not a joke, not, not not the Dylan album, but it's a tribute. It's, it's, a, it's a street that's been dedicated to him. You get it at, get at it after Mounds. So you go past CHS Field. You go out to Mounds. You take positively fourth. It comes up on the backside of the Saints Stadium. There was no one on that road. You're welcome. You're welcome. I was going to suggest maybe the light rail in that case, if it's that crowded. Otherwise, oh, it's, that-, that light rail is actually a really good way to go. Yeah, especially once it finally, if it ever opens in the Southwest Metro, be convenient for 
People around here, yeah. <laughs> well, now we're talking about, we're going to do two of these things? Uh, and they're not going to. That is a cash cow. I went over to Dark Horse. I have not been to Dark Horse over there. Dark Horse uh, Bar Restaurant. Had some lunch over there, or had some dinner over there. Very solid endeavor, by the way, Dark Horse. Very solid endeavor. I enjoyed myself greatly. Uh, 952-946-6205. So that was on Saturday night. Last night, I went out to Lake of the Isles. Decided to do a little. If you want pound for pound pretty houses with lights on it, yeah, you're not going to do much better than Lake of the Isles. Those people, I don't know if you're aware of this. Those people have money. <laughs> There's a guy that's got a Christmas tree. He's got lights all the way up what looks to be about a four story tree. I don't even. I can't even begin to wonder what the cost of doing that would be. Oh, uh, a lot of pretty lights on there. The church up on the north side of the lake also looking very nice. Enjoyed that. A nice mix of, of holiday festivities. There were people skating on that lake yesterday. How? I, I, I don't know what those idiots were thinking. I was just, I was, I was, I was like, 911, what's your emergency? Yeah, some idiots are out trying to skate on a it's lake. It's a preemptive I, call. We know you're going to yeah, get yeah, one yeah, anyways. Yeah, so. Might as well bring this, in, roll the ambulances I, now. That, that stuns me that someone would be able to let alone try it dude bros we're out having fun i guess there was open water on that lake i'm not saying a little there were two spots where it was clearly open water and they're out there skating on it and my wife as we were walking around she her whole point was well it's not that deep there i was like still it's it's not warm and you're wearing skates and a lot of people drowned in short, small, you know, shallow water, because that's going to hit you and put you in a shock right away. And especially if you get under the ice, which might be pretty thin for trying to carry someone on top, but be thick enough to where it's hard to kind of break through from the bottom. And you also probably don't know where you are when you're freezing that much. That's yeah. what I hear too. Yeah, you're. And, you know which and, way and is it's up. Dark, and you don't because it was dark. It was dark out there. We. I actually took a picture. I don't know if I got it. Of there's a sign that says "Don't don't you know safe ice not safe stay off ice." a sign, and these idiots out there skating on it behind it. This on top of, of th- two weeks ago, two, a little more than two weeks ago, I was at Lake Minnewashita. Have you ever been out there? That's that, that West Metro out, um, oh, God, it's down 41. It's out that way, uh, south of uh, Highway 7 on 41. I don't think I've done uh, that one, no. it's a good. It's a good park, a nice one. It's got a nice hike to it. Uh, some real nice trails, very cute. There were people two and a half weeks ago on that lake Ice fishing. What are you doing? Seriously, you idiots, what are you doing? I mean, that's a dumb way to go. And I want to, because I'm about to get into it, because you're not going to believe it. It's happened again. More than two dozen people were rescued from a large ice flow that strong winds broke away from the shoreline of an upper Red Lake in northwestern Minnesota. This happened last year, although I think last year was lower Red Lake. This happened last year. People went out there like, oh, it's fine. Oh, my God. We're sailing out to sea. Sheriff Jason Riggs, I'm going to presume with a bunch of size. <sighs> Jason Riggs told the Strib that uh, Kelleher Fire and Rescue personnel, with the help of the Minnesota Department of Natural Resources, airboated to bring to shore the 27 anglers who had been stranded on a sheet of ice Sunday shortly before 5 p.m. to past 8 p.m. 
There were no injuries reported. No one had fallen into the water, said the sheriff. Riggs said that the ice on the northern portion of the lake is about 10 inches thick, more than twice what the DNR recommends for people to trust for being safe for venturing out. Despite the ample thickness of the ice, wind gusts of at least 40 miles per hour sent the ice flow into the open waters. He said every time we deal with this, every year we deal with this, there's always the potential, depending on which way the wind blows. In late November of 2022, about 200 anglers had to be rescued off an ice flow. That was also the upper red lake. If the ice can't be trusted at Upper Red Lake in the very northwestern part of the state, then what the hell are you doing on Lake of the Isles, dude? Seriously. You want to take a bath? (laughs) Go home. It'll be a lot more comfortable. I get it. Extreme! Whatever. Whatever. You drink your Mountain Dew someplace else, moron. (laughs) I mean, I I don't want to read the story. Well, guess what? In the inevitable, it's going to happen. Hey, an idiot decided to go skating on, what, inch thick ice? I don't, after the rain, after the rain we just got to, I saw, where was it? um, Minnehaha Creek is open again. I, you know, we can't save people from themselves. You can't, you're not going to be able to regulate stupidity. But doesn't mean I have to sit back and say, well, you know, so much. Let's, oh, who cares? They died. I just, ugh. 952 952 You need to be safe on these things, man. And I get it. We all, you know, it's, it's Minnesota is nice. We like winter. We, you know, to a point, you know, it gets a little long. But we like winter. We like skating. We like skiing. We like being out there and and having fun. But at the same time, it's it is somewhat disheartening to see people out there with such regularity. You know, if, like I said, two weeks ago at Lake Minnewashta, I'm like, what are you doing? That is that's that's going to be a, a bad Thanksgiving. Uh, that was actually post Thanksgiving. That would be a bad Christmas. But yeah. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205 is the phone number. I made a post this weekend that uh, I stand by, and, and some people were wondering where it came from. Uh, the post was uh, in response to, um, it basically was in response to a thought process I had in regards to these people who just, incessantly just badmouth the city or badmouth the state because it really is gotten to be amazing to me. Why are you here again? And some people say, well, Matt, it's not easy to move. Well, yeah, but most people can move, especially if you are someplace where every day you wake up and you just despise being there, you should be working to try to find a way to, to, to get to where you can go be happy. And just sitting there and, and you know, bleh, no one likes that. I mean, I, I mean, the people that want to vilify the city, Liz, I mean, they, they basically, they, they love it. But, you know, it's kind of one of those things where, you know, the, for most people, it's like, okay, you know, take your whining somewhere else. And I posted this. I can't imagine how empty it would feel to wake up one day and realize your entire legacy is angrily posting on social media negative things about the city state you decided to live in. 
A memorial will never be erected in your name, as most people dislike you. Even the people who do like you will forget who you are after you're gone, eagerly finding the next fool wasting their life to take your place. You then spend your last years either trying to convince yourself of a false narrative, insisting what you did was noble or righteous, neither of which would be true, or sitting alone asking, why did I choose to be miserable? It's a tragically pathetic way to waste your life and that you freely embraced it. That's on you. Ta-da! I stand by that, which just, you'll understand here in a second. Let me read another story here. This was one that's gotten some traction. Several underage women went to a hospital in Minneapolis early Sunday after suspecting someone drugged their drinks at a bar in Dinkytown. A Minneapolis officer met two 18-year-old women at 4 a.m. at HCMC where they said they'd come from Blarney Pub and Grill near the University of Minnesota's East Bank campus, along with a third woman they were experiencing similar symptoms of illness and alcohol-related issues, according to a police spokesman. Only one of the females was able to speak with the officers, according to a description of the incident from police. She stated that she began to feel ill after consuming alcohol at the bar in Dinkytown and that she consumed an alcoholic beverage given to her by another person. The police report describes the incident as a suspected adulteration. The law in Minnesota against intentionally adding a substance to someone's food or drink that has a capacity to cause illness or death. University of Minnesota police directed a reporter to the campus media office, which did not respond to requests for information. Calls to Blarney's were not answered. My guess is, is that there's going to be some security footage and we'll know who this person is. We'll find this person. And I think they're going to be in big trouble. But this is, by the way, is nothing unusual. As a matter of fact, one of the first things you you get from campus security, I've gotten two kids who've gone there. I've gotten, um, even even in, in high school, they talk about this. Do not trust your drink if you've left it. And that's and that's just what you have to do. I mean, this is not just here in Minneapolis. It's UMD, it's Wisconsin, Iowa, even at University of Texas or the University of Arizona or Florida State. They will all tell you the same thing. If you're a woman... On campus, first of all, you shouldn't go anywhere by yourself because, yeah, ick, that's the world we live in. But as well, if you're at some place and you are drinking and you lose track of your drink, do not, if someone says, here it is, just pour it out and go get yourself another one. Do not drink anything that you have not yourself seen get poured because there are an insane amount of creepers out there who will try to drug you and then rape you. That's kind of what they're trying to do. So they come on out there and say, hey, you got drinks for you. Here you go. Enjoy. And this is a, thank goodness none of them are have died. Thank goodness they all got to the hospital. Hopefully there wasn't anyone else in that, that bar that was not accounted for. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully. But this is a good reminder that this is just, you, you you know, because there are so many sickos out there, not just here in Minneapolis or in Minnesota, but worldwide, you cannot trust people with alcoholic beverages because I would say that there's at least, in, especially in any busy, crowded bar, there's at least probably someone in there trying to find some way that they can trick someone into drinking something they shouldn't drink. That's just That's just the world we live in. Now, that being said, this is not a unique to Minneapolis problem. But immediately what happened? This is just a sign. Minneapolis is a pit. Dude, trust me. This happens in small town colleges too. 
This happens everywhere. I mean, I remember when I was down in Iowa, there was one of the small colleges. They had uh, an individual that they arrested that was that apparently done this two or three times. And they fight, and by the third time, they kind of figured out, okay, this is not just an accident. No, this happens everywhere. But of course, if all your job is, is to sit there and post how much you hate the city, well, here you go. It's, it's fodder. And then if you bring it up, of course, there's like, it's so much worse here. No, not really. No, no, not at all. Not in the least bit. It's it, in your mind. It is because you just hate the city, which once again, I want to get back to something here. Why are you here? <laughs> Why? Why? You've got one life, one, and you're wasting it in a place that all you can do is rip on it because it's not going to change. You're, you're not going to get a massive red wave in this state. It's just not going to happen. And the reality is, is I think down deep inside, you guys all know how good the state is. And so you're, but you, but you've convinced yourselves because of Republican politics that you have to hate on the city. Go be happy somewhere else. I had someone after I posted this get in touch with me and say, we moved away. I was a conservative. I moved away, uh, moved to a Southern state, moved back six months later when I realized, holy God, not a chance on the planet. <laughs> it's, it changes your perspective a little bit. I'm glad they caught this. Or I'm glad, I'm glad that the, the, the police are aware of this. Hopefully they catch this individual there. But stop trying to turn everything into only a Minneapolis problem because the reality is, is that just means you're a sad individual and you probably need to leave the state. This is something that happens everywhere tragically and it should be addressed that way. And to what the justice you're doing is that there are plenty of cities where colleges are at nationwide where you're basically telling people, this doesn't happen anywhere else. It only happens in Minneapolis. I'll let you tell the women that get raped then someone drugged their drink in a small town college that how that didn't really matter because it wasn't Minneapolis. I'll let you, I'll let you convey that to them. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. Let's take a break. Come on back. It is the Matt McNeil Show on AM 950. Just bring on Christmas night all people sing to hear the news Up on the housetop reindeer paws Out jumps good old Santa Claus AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It's the Matt McNeil Show. 952-946-6205. is the, the uh, phone number. Uh, Michael Broadcorp joining us to talk about the Vikings game kind of the reality of the fact that that's pretty much going, I mean, they're not, I mean, they might still make the playoffs, but yeah, it's, I don't, this is me not holding my breath. Uh, we'll talk about that and maybe also getting to get his take on what I was talking about in the first hour, which is, you know, how come Minnesota Republicans are, how can Minnesota Republicans still be on board with something like this? 952-946-6205. Um, whereas the rest of the country seems to be trying to take books away from children. Welcome to Minnesota. The American Federation of Teachers distributed 40,000 free children's books to students and educators and families Saturday in the neighborhood house in St. Paul. Nice! So far, the union has given out 2 million books across the nation. 
um, for since the began uh, since December 2021. They gave up 40,000 in St. Paul, two million nationwide. The book giveaway is a part of the Reading Opens the World initiative and the union's Real Solutions campaign. Families at the event could take up to 30 free books, and educators can take up to 50 free books for their classroom libraries. Food, read, uh, read aloud, uh, cookie decorating, and other fun activities filled the gaps when the kids weren't getting their books. According to the most recent report by the Minnesota Department of Education in 2022, less than half of Minnesota students are meeting or exceeding the standards for their grade. The disruptions due to the pandemic make focusing on literacy even more important to assist students and get them to catch up and thrive. The report also showed that school attendance is dropping with only 69.8% of students statewide attending school at least 90% of the time. Randy Weingarten, president of the AFT, says reading instills confidence and helps reduce inequities. Uh, books create joy. Sometimes holidays create joy. Books open the door for world for books uh, and uh, for open the world for kids. Books are foundational for our future and knowledge. In a few months, AFT will have distributed 10 million total books. I think, first of all, this is a great idea. And by the way, I love helping out the classroom. Giving 50 books to a, uh, an individual classroom is, is a, a very solid endeavor. Uh, you know, there's a lot of ways to raise a kid. I want to make sure I preface this by saying this because I sometimes hear people talk about raising kids and it sounds like, oh, well, this is the way you need to do it. Uh, there's a lot of ways to do it. There are a lot of ways to do it. One thing I will say is it is so important to put down your phones, put down the, the tablets, and every night, I mean, and, and if I can just say this, my suggestion, every night sit down before your kids go to bed and read at least one book to each one of your kids. At least one book. Read them. Make them put down their tablet. Make them put down their phone and, phone and read them. Now, I mean, if they're really young, I would. I, we started doing it when the kids were really young. And so when they're like six months, seven months, and we're, they kind of got into the habit of every night, you know, before mom or dad put them down for, for to, to sleep, we basically would would uh, read them book with them, and you know they they looked forward to it, and they kind of got excited about it. And all three of my kids score very well on these tests when it comes to reading because they all read. I mean, even today, as their worlds are knee deep in screen time, they all find they're all reading books. They all are and enjoying them. So this is this is something where it is, um, there definitely is a, a a value to this, and I highly 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 encourage people to go out there and 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 read to your kids. It is also amazing that we have things like this, especially when you have parents who are trying hard to dictate what books are and are not appropriate for your kids. We need to make sure we phrase it like that because that's that's a pretty big difference between I'm trying to save the children. No, 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 no. You're trying to insert yourself between a parent and a child and tell that parent you know better that than they do for what that child should be able to read. And that's pretty inexcusable. And let's just be honest, if anyone actually did that to you, conservative parent, you would be screaming at the top of your lungs about how dare you. You would. You would. 
Hypocrisy knows no end with Republicans. Of course you would. You would be livid, 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 livid. Stop trying to do this. And, you know, you can go to your public library. This is still the crazy part. They're, the public libraries are still open and they're still fantastic and there are tons of books and you get your kids there and they will read. I know it's hard. I mean, this is the part too. It's it, it's it's hard. I my circumstances are not anyone else's circumstances. I don't know what your time commitment is to work. I don't know what your job, you know, restraints are. I don't know any of that stuff. So it's really easy for me to say read to your kid every night. But if you can do it, the kids love it, and they got to a point where they would be waiting in the room every night for mom or dad to come in there and read them a book. I remember when my 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 wife uh, was out of town. And, you know, I, I, I mean, it was, we were running late. We had had like, I think we were swimming lessons and there was another practice and I'm running around and I'm just getting anything I can to get, feed the kids and getting them in there and, and, you know, go get ready for bed guys. And they go ready for bed and they're all sitting there on the couch. <laughs> like this isn't bed. Dad, you didn't read us our story tonight. Oh, and here it was. It was like, it was seriously like nine o'clock. And I'm like, oh, okay. I gotta, uh, I gotta put off my work for a little bit longer. Sit down, do the priorities. It pays off. It does pay off. It pays off in quality time with your kid. Pays off in their education. You start encouraging reading from a young age. It will be there. All right. That being said, once again, in a world today where so many states are trying to pull books away from children, there is something amazing and wonderful about giving out 40,000 books in one weekend in St. Paul. God bless you. And AFT, I hope this continues. I hope 10 million books, incredible, incredible nationwide. All my best as you continue with that project. 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. We'll take a break. Come on back. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show. It is time for us to, yeah, talk about it. The Minnesota Vikings lose to the Cincinnati Bengals on Saturday. Michael Broadcorp is not only our uh, political expert, especially from the Republican side, but also our Vikings expert, and he's kind enough today to join us to talk a little bit about the Vikings and a little bit about politics. Hi, Michael. How are you? I'm 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 good. I, I view this as part of a part of the therapy, part of the healing process. Yes. And so I'm looking forward to this this time on the couch, just talking with you and commiserating. Okay. Can we? Can I just actually walk this back a little bit? I think we really do need to go back to something you and I talked about last time, which is if I was to tell if I was to tell Vikings fans you're going to lose Cousins for two thirds of the season, Jefferson for at least half of it. And you're still going to, there is a very legit chance they're going to be a playoff team. And, you know, they they, they could do this. The reality is, I think if, if people would say, oh, we're not 6-10 and 10 or 6-11, and 11, where we actually make the playoffs, I think people would be ecstatic. And I think because sometimes we need to step back and look at the perspective. Yeah, this is, at the beginning of the season, we were talking about Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson, and we were definitely going to be a threat to possibly win the NFC North, maybe get a, you know, maybe even, you know, do do even better than we did last year. But 
when you put it in perspective that way, I think most people can say, yeah, this is it's not ideal, but at least we are playing important games that matter in December. Correct. Yes. I will say to you, though, sir, yes. that the games that I have seen this year have been some of the worst football that I've ever experienced. <laughs> and the, the, the last three games that I've had the, ple- the pleasure of coming on your radio program and discussing have been some of the worst that I've ever seen. Um, and it's been really tough. And I think the problem that I'm having just because, look, I'm not an expert on the Vikings. Uh, I, you know, I'm a season ticket holder for all these years, and, and I watch the games as best I can. But this is not my this is not my my background. I watch it and view it through the fan experience. The fan experience the last three games has been really really tough. And last week they got the W. They got the 3-0 win. But to this game was really difficult to watch. It was challenging to watch, and it was very difficult to think that. This that was a good, that was a well played football game. The defense continues to do great, uh, and I tell you, I, I'm starting to think about the possibilities next year when when we have a Kirk Cousins or another quarterback in that role, being able to to work in concert with this defense. But the last three games have been very very difficult for the Vikings. Okay, so you you brought this up, and I, I'm I'm. Uh, yeah. The Vikings looked like they had this game under control. Seventeen, it was uh, seventeen to three. Um, the, the Bengals looked like the Bengals, and they did not look good. Yes. And then, and then, but then, and you want to talk about the defense? Here's the part which is frustrating. They allowed the Cincinnati Bengals, a bad team that could not move the ball at all, to start moving the ball at will. They got twenty-one points yes. in the final quarter, and they got it relatively easily because. Correct. They went into a preventive. I mean, they were absolutely pantsing them in man-to-man coverage, and then for some reason they just sort of said, "Okay, we'll just go to we'll go to a zone defense." And the Bengals started finding these eight, ten, fifteen-yard throws, and all of a sudden there was a lot of people looking around saying, "What are we doing?" I. It was not only was it a bad strategy, but. Also, you have to ask the question of why in the world did you not go back to the man coverage, which once again confounded the Bengals for two-thirds of that game? I do not understand the logic of it. And there seems there was there were literally two games that were played inside the game, and there was just a shift in that last quarter. There was a shift in that last quarter in terms of the Vikings' approach style and how they went out on defense. And that's where they lost the game. That's where they lost the game. It's interesting. Um, I was I – was, feeling pretty confident, as most Viking fans do sometimes, in the third quarter when the Vikings were up. And prior to the game, the the hosts of the NFL Network had all picked that the Bengals were going to win. And so I took a picture of the of the screen and where, you know, they all picked the Bengals. And I was going to tweet it out and I was going to say, look, you know, these guys clearly made a mistake. Boy, am I glad I didn't do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the Bengals came back in strong fashion. And you know, that was a game that the Vikings could have won. And that's what I would say about, you know, of the last three games that they've played, they've won one, lost two. Both the games that they lost, both the Bears and the Bengals, those were winning games. Those were games that they could have won, and they arguably should have won, and they didn't. Yet here we are, Matt, again, because as you pointed out on the DM, scheduling this interview, um, the, the Packers lost. Um, the Vikings now have three division games. With they have the uh, Lions coming up on Sunday. Then they have the uh, they have the Packers. 
then they finish off the season with the Vikings again. If the Vikings win outright, they could win the division. Well, and 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 they will. Yeah, they would, would they? Because because remember that Detroit game that's in the middle. But when we're playing Green Bay, they're at Dallas. That is not a that is not a friendly game. So Detroit's got a they've got to beat the Vikings next week just to basically tap down this because if they lose to the Vikings next week and then the Vikings basically beat up on the Packers while they lose to Detroit, then yeah, that th- there is an insane amount of pressure. I mean, all the pressure's on them. The Vikings they're playing with house money at that point because they they don't have Kirk Cousins. They you know they're they're they get through great. I think you can't look at anything but it being a massive success at that point. And so yeah, it, it does play out for them. But I I want to kind of go back to play calling a little bit in the, the game with the Cincinnati Bengals. Mullins, who didn't play bad, 303 yards, 26, uh, 33, uh, 26 out of 33, two interceptions. That's where he got killed. It was in overtime. They have got third and one. They tried to do a sneak with Mullins. That does not happen. Now, you want to go for it on fourth down. I can somewhat understand the logic. I think there was like six and a half minutes left to go in the overtime. You, They might not get the ball back. Uh, and so you're, you're. I think they were what at the 46 yard line of the Bengals yeah, at that's that point. What I had that. Yeah, yeah. the 46 yard line of the Bengals. They. You, so you say to yourself, okay. I mean, we try to go for this. You're. If you don't make this, you're going to have. You know, you're giving them a very short field, which ended up coming back and biting us. But when they ran Mullins again on fourth, I mean, this is. You've got three. Incredible receivers in Addison and Jefferson and in, in the tight end, Hockelson. You 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 got three good receivers. Have them take three steps, turn around, fire it on a dime, and you're done. And and the reality is, is I I for some reason, why did they run that play twice? Because it didn't work the first time and it sure didn't work the second time. I think that the Vikings, and what we've noticed in this is we noticed this with, with, with Dobbs, and we're now noticing a bit with Mullins, is that there's just a limitation to what they can do on the field right now. Mm-hmm. Um, we're starting to get, I think, a good appreciation of the, the, the difference between somebody who plays at Cousins level or a, a, a regular starter in the NFL and a backup. And, you know, Mullins was in the backup role, and, and he's going to start on Sunday um, now against uh, the Lions. He will start. Mullins will be the quarterback that will start, and we'll see. I mean, leading up to that, I mean, he complete as you noted, twenty six to thirty three passes. Uh, he had you know two touchdowns, um, but it just in those kind of critical moments of the game is where this stuff seems to be falling apart. And uh, this has been the history. This has kind of been the KOC kind of reign over the last two seasons. It's those final minutes of the games is where we're either winning or we're losing. And um, we've rushed, came into a little bit of bad luck here over the last, definitely this season, with kind of those final minutes of the game and, and kind of the overall structure and strength of the play calling and the ability to put, uh, you know, quarterbacks that are arguably backup quarterbacks that are now in the starting role in a position where they can win the game. Well, and, and I just, I, especially a nuanced thing. Cousins in a heartbeat. I would have run that play twice with Cousins every day if you're trying to. Because Cousins, he, he's out there on a regular basis. He gets it. He understands. He, he can see he's there on a regular basis, and he sees when a fullback is in front of him, and he can see the angle, and he says, well, if I go to the left, I'm going to get the yard. If I go to the right, I'm not going to get it. And these are little things 
that you can't throw on a backup quarterback. What you can do with him is a simple, quick one step over the line. Then you even then at that point have a 50 50 chance someone's going to pass interference the guy. So, I mean, I just I, I think that the, the, the offensive play call there, you definitely you, you definitely failed because you can't you, you have to play with the cards you've got. You cannot bluff your way through that situation. And so your best bet was either Jefferson or Addison or, or your tight end. And then just, you know, and your tight end is usually the option there because they're so much bigger than the third, the, the, the third cover guy. So, you know, throw it high up to the tight end and he falls forward. You're good. And it just like I said, woulda, coulda, shoulda. You and I have been able to do that a lot these last few games. Correct. And any other point I have to make is both with Dobbs and with Mullins. It seems to be that the more that they are playing – the worst off they're doing. <laughs> and we saw that with Dobbs a little bit too, yep. is that, you know, when he first came in those first couple of games, he was just, he was just because he had a limited understanding. I think of the offensive playbook and what he needed to do. It's when you started to add more layers in that more of the mistakes start to happen. The Josh Dobbs, And again, I've never been an NFL quarterback, but the Josh Dobbs that was playing in the last few quarters before he was uh, replaced with Mullins was a much different type of confidence quarterback than when he first came in against Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And um, what I think is important for this coaching staff is that there needs to be confidence in the quarter, quarterback position, and they need, to be, they need to be play calling to the quarterback strength. You cannot expect a Mullins or a Dobbs to play at the level of Cousins. Yep. You can, they are replacing the quarterback, but they cannot replace that particular quarterback. They're filling that role. Yeah. But it's just – you're not setting them up for an expectation to succeed. Well, and to, um, to, piggy, to piggyback price, on that, and ahead. to piggyback on that really quick, you know, it just because Mullins or Dobbs has two or three good plays in a row doesn't mean they're freaking Kirk Cousins. And you've got to remember right. that. I mean, that's because you, you've got to act as if that's the lucky part, the three plays in a row, and you've got to anticipate as the backup that the fourth and fifth player are going to, you're not going to happen, especially after the Vegas game, man. Yes. And I will just point some yes, and I'll point out to you, yes, the Vegas game, correct. And where we're coming into now, into these final three games, is the Vikings are now a number six. They're a number six seed. Yep. In the playoffs right now, there is a there is a they're a number six seed, and there's uh, an absolute possibility that the Vikings make the playoffs here. And you know, to be honest with you, we got we have two home games. Yep. Um, the Vikings should win. I believe the Vikings should win two of the next three. I agree with you. I, I think these next two home games, they're setting themselves up. And, I mean, this next game against Detroit's really everything. You win that game, you 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 then you can feast on the, the Green Bay Packers and before you go to Detroit. Uh, just to make, you know, kind of piggyback what you're saying about where the standings are. San Francisco's number one right now. The Eagles are number two because Eagles play C- Seattle tonight. Seattle needs to win to stay kind of in contention. And Philadelphia needs to win if they want to stay with possibly winning the NFC and getting that bye week. Uh, Detroit's three. Tampa's four because they're the division winners. Dallas is the five seed. They'll play a road game, uh, it looks like. Uh, or there's a chance they could. If Philadelphia wins tonight, they're they're definitely in a, in a bind. Then the Vikings and currently the Rams are the seventh seed. You're right. The way that these teams are playing now, the Vikings, there's a d- legit chance the Vikings could be a playoff team at the very least on the road. But... Yeah, if, you know Detroit's not going to. You know they don't have an easy thing here. They've got to get. They got to beat at win at Minnesota. They got to win at Dallas, and then they get a win at home against Minnesota. 
like I said, I think if you get to that final game, the Vikings have won their two games, and Detroit has lost that game specifically to the Dallas Cowboys, every bit of pressure is on them at that point. Correct. If the Vikings win, the, if the Vikings win this Sunday at home against Detroit, they win on New Year's Eve against the Packers. The Vikings then are playing for the division. Um, will be decided on that first week in January. That's the division. I mean, that's the game. Well, and it'll, it'll be it'll be. Well, and correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, you you would you would either win the division or you're playing for a playoff game. I mean, if you do that, right. you're you're. And once again, let's get back to the positive. No one would even dream of this if Kirk Cousins wasn't there for two thirds of the season. So I think that if we get into that position, we, you know, even though we're going to get destroyed in the first round, you know, you can feel good about things because you know what we outperformed considering what we had, the hand that we were dealt. Yes, and the absolute possibility would be if the Vikings win against Detroit, they win against the Packers, and then they play Detroit and they win. That means that they that means they win the division. They would likely play. There's a possibility that either way they could end up playing Detroit again, yeah, they could. Um, and so <laughs> we're going to be getting real friendly with uh, the Detroit Lions fan base uh, over the next few weeks, or, or the Cowboys, which I think the Bills kind of proved that Cowboys are might not be what they all say they are. Anyway, uh, good stuff. Now, reminder: you are not here. We're of course next Monday, Christmas Day. Merry Christmas to you, Michael. Uh, we will have you. you back on the 4 o'clock hour on the 29th. We're live on the 29th. You're going to join us for that day to kind of recap Detroit, but look forward to the Green Bay game and kind of look at, you know, as we get in towards New Year's, we're planning on that. Really quick before you go, um, I, I want to ask you, you have been very straightforward that, you know, you, you vote Republican, you encourage Republicans, but you have looked at Donald Trump and this is not something that the Republican Party should be. You've been very vocal about that. He has, in the last few weeks, really gone, Trump has really gone down a very ugly path. Yet, it is incredibly disheartening to see, especially after the comments he made in New Hampshire this weekend, you know, talking about immigrants and, you know, and, and making, you know, comments about immigrants destroying our blood, you know, very reminiscent of, of evil people over the last century. You know, you've... Yeah, I, You've got you understand the Republican voter better. How is how is this encouraging of a dictatorship, embracing of anti-Semitism, embracing of 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 kind of this you know you know racism and these ideas and these autocratic solutions that he keeps putting forward? How is this not broken the 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 back of most of the Republican voters at this point? I think there are a number. I think it's because it's a cult in many ways. I think that the MAGA element of the party. Uh, is uh, absolute cult. I think that um, Donald Trump uh, is, I think, poses, if not poses, one of the greatest threats uh, to democracy and the survival of democracy than any other candidate that I can think of. And it is appalling to me the position that Trump continues to be in, which is unfortunately not surprising to me. I've been saying for quite some time that it's going to be it's going to be Trump. Um, I still believe right now that it's going to be Trump. And I think that his rhetoric is only, the rhetoric is only going to get worse. This is not someone who is, um, you know, there's this gold kind of adage that kind of works in both, both political parties, Matt, that you kind of run to the middle, you kind of run to the kind of the right or run to the left, depending on which party. And then you, you get the nomination, but then you moderate yourself into the middle. Uh, Donald Trump is serving up red meat, a very ugly red meat to activists inside the Republican party. And they're, 
eating it up. And his rhetoric is only, I think, going to get more extreme because what's going to happen here as we get to some of these caucus, when we start getting into some of the voting in 2024, his legal issues, I think, are going to start to get more serious. If there's anything that, that occurs on a pretty consistent basis is that when the, the former president is in court or there is a legal proceeding going on, that's when he lashes out. Mm-hmm. And I think he's got an enemies list. I think he's got an enemies list, and he is going to be very, very aggressive with his words. And it is very concerning to me, some of the language that he used, some of the policy positions that he's taken, and how he's going to approach this type of stuff. And I have never believed that Donald Trump uh, represented the true core values of the Republican Party, which is why I, I've never, I didn't vote for him in 16 or 20. And I think that he will sink Republicans' opportunities to win. There's a very good likelihood that Republicans can pick up control of the United States Senate. What is the biggest challenge to that is making is having Republican candidates running in a year where Donald Trump is on the ballot. I think the House could be a little dicey for Republicans to keep, but they're going to work on it. And my position has always been that Donald Trump, uh, having not supported him in 16 or 20, but I think it's a mistake for Republicans to think that he is going to be an, a net positive to the overall Republican ticket. Mm-hmm. But that's why, unfortunately, Matt, I think why the people that he's attracting right now are people who are not interested in a Republican Party that doesn't include Trump. They're interested in Trump being on the ballot because that's who they want to see. Winning the United States second, I think, to some of those people is secondary. Keeping control of the House of Representatives isn't as important. They want Trump, 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 Trump. And mm-hmm. I, I don't understand it. I never will. Um, and my hope is that common sense will prevail at some point, but I don't know if that's going to happen. Well, and to give the Minnesota GOP credit, they stood up to the MAGA side at that meeting a few, a week ago and, and, you know, and they said, no, this, this is not going to work. And so there are signs that the, the party might be finally waking up from it, but there's a lot of places where that's, that's a long way away. Uh, we'll have to, we'll have to have a, a conversation more about this. Michael, Merry Christmas to you. Thank you so much. This Merry Christmas been, you too, sir. I've, this Vikings thing has been fun, dude. I'm looking forward to chatting with I you. I have the, to tell you. Go ahead. Yes. I feel the exact same way. I didn't mean to cut you off. I feel the exact same way. I've enjoyed these conversations and I feel like you're kind of helping me through this grieving process together. And so I appreciate you being your friend. We're the most honest sports talk segment in the entire metro area in any given week. Uh, I will talk to you on the 29th, my friend. Have a Merry Christmas and all my best. Same to you and your family. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Michael Broadcorp will wrap up the show when we return. It's the Matt McNeil Show on AM 950. Blame it on Christmas. Why am I out of control? the progressive voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil show. Um, yeah, I've actually, you know, I, I, okay. I, I, we're not a sports station. I, and, but at the same time, it's been nice to have that on because you know what we have, we all live a little bit more full lives and stuff like this. Now I've got Dr. Joe desperately want to do this with the Timberwolves. So I've got to figure, I got to figure out what they did to the Pacers, man. What was that? Wow. They're a good team. Uh, the AM 950 calendar is here. 
Uh, if you have not uh, become a member, help sponsor AM950, please do. Go to am950radio.com. That's am950radio.com. We have different sponsorship levels. And the thank yous uh, at the individual levels, they include the calendar. There is December. How about that? The Burwell House out in uh, Minnetonka. Got that beautiful picture out there. Uh, in the park out there. Uh, yeah, go out there and uh, you can get this as a thank you, plus other things at other levels. This helps support AM950. And trust me, we need to make sure we keep this station going. Because have you seen what the other side's trying to do? Holy God. Help us out. AM950radio.com, AM950radio.com. Become a member, help sponsor the station. We'll send you a calendar as a thank you. Find out the details at am950radio.com. Native Roots Radio is up next. We're back tomorrow. Till then, see ya.